you have that felt sense memory of this is the feeling that I'm trying to get to so I can exude a really powerful presence in meetings. And maybe you don't quite feel like Beyonce, but you feel a little something, a little grit, a little resilience. And you're like, yes, let's just keep going. We can totally, totally do this. When the worry comes up, the self-criticism comes up, the doubt comes up, the fear comes up. It's not over. It's just beginning and you get to decide how to respond to it. And the beautiful thing is, this is a muscle that gets stronger over time. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Jess. I'm the host and creator of this podcast, and I am a career coach for ambitious professional women. And I am here to help you build confidence, find your voice, feel super powerful in your job, and hopefully advance and become a leader and thrive at every step along that journey. One of the big motivators for me starting this show is that I had a corporate career. I left that corporate career to do this podcast full time, but when I was in my corporate career, I wanted to be a leader and I wanted to ascend into leadership positions in corporate, and I did. I experienced a lot of success, but I felt like I could not find resources out there to help me grow my confidence and feel more empowered that resonated with me. Everything I found felt too dry, too boring, too old school, too condescending. Like I couldn't find anything (laughs) that I actually wanted to consume that actually resonated with me and felt good. And that was one of the reasons that I started this show was because I was like, well, if I can't find this, maybe it's just missing. Like maybe it straight up doesn't exist and I should stop complaining about it and make it happen. And so I created this podcast and fast forward four years since I launched this show, this is now what I do full time, this podcast and my coaching business. And today's episode is a continuation of last week's and I have a lot to say and this is going to be a really interesting episode and I'm sharing some ideas that while they're very familiar to me and they're ideas that I use quite a bit in my coaching and in my programs, they're new to the show. I've never really shared this angle on things on the podcast before, but I think it'll be really helpful to you and so I'm excited to walk you through it. I'm excited to see what comes out. I'm always a little nervous with podcast episodes because I don't script these. The way that I work best is I just need to sit down and record. I might have a really light outline so I don't forget, but when I sit down to record, I never know exactly what's going to come out of my mouth. So I'm wondering how this is going to go, but we're going to find out together. So just so you know, this podcast is a bit of a continuation of last week's episode. So on last week's episode, I talked about my own journey struggling with executive presence and how I went through this process in my career of really figuring out how to sound 
confident when I spoke. A huge struggle that I had was that because I felt so doubtful and unworthy inside at work, when I spoke in meetings, my executive presence and my voice came off as very doubtful and small and not super impactful and not super powerful. And I kept getting feedback that I needed to sound more like a leader, but I wasn't getting a lot of instruction on and guidance on how to do that. And the instruction and guidance that I was receiving was not useful to me and actually caused me to feel more lost and confused and doubtful about myself. And what actually ended up helping me speak with genuine confidence and really have the presence of a leader when I was communicating with people was two things. One was the internal work that I did on my own self-confidence and my own mindset. And second was my journey studying theater and really learning for the first time about stage presence and how to exude a powerful presence on stage and me really becoming aware of my voice as a part of my physical body and how I get to influence and shape that and I get to have a really powerful presence on stage if I want to and I get to bring those skills and that presence with me wherever I want to bring it. And that helped me enormously. It helped me so much on this podcast. That is how I learned to speak into this microphone, feeling super comfortable and being able to express myself and hopefully resonate with you. And I brought it with me into my day-to-day corporate career back when I was in my corporate career that I had before I launched my coaching business. And it really helped me have a stronger presence when I was communicating because I understood how to impact my own presence because that's something that I had been learning in theater. So I've done quite a bit of theater. I've taken five or six different theater classes. I've performed (laughs) live, improvised in front of real actual audiences in a real theater multiple times. So I'm not by any means a professional in this at all, but I have enough experience in it to have an understanding of what it means to be a performer and to have an understanding of some of the different choices and options that performers have when they're on stage. And that was a really fun self-exploration for me. And it really helped me connect more deeply with myself. It's really interesting because... You would think that like studying theater and learning a bit about acting techniques and learning how to get on stage, you would think that it's almost in a way inauthentic because you're learning to like act on stage or play a character. But what I found through that experience was it actually connected me with these deeper parts of myself that I was very disconnected from. It connected me with my internal confidence to have the courage to like get on a stage in front of people, sometimes by myself (laughs) and do things. It connected me with my playfulness and this internal sense of joy that I had never really connected with in that way. And let me tell you, When your confidence in your voice comes from an internal sense of joy that you're feeling, that is so freaking powerful. 
And I think what essentially happened for me was it made my internal world feel stronger, deeper, richer, and more confident. And I felt more connected to my own emotions and my own voice and my own internal world, which just made it easier for me to express myself outwardly. And one of the things that I took away from that experience, and this is also one of the reasons that back in the day when I when this show was an interview show, I would often invite people on who were actors or voiceover artists because I know that they had so much to share with you on how to have a powerful voice. But what I took away from that experience is that theater is a really powerful modality for building confidence, strengthening your voice, and connecting to those deeper parts of yourself. And my theater knowledge and lens and this angle of experience that I have is something that I bring into my coaching quite a bit, but I haven't talked about as much on the podcast. So inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy, which is my group program where I support my clients in feeling more confident in meetings and really learning to speak and communicate like a strong, powerful leader, Inside that program, we spend one to two months working on this topic of executive presence and exuding confidence and sounding really, really powerful when you speak. And the way that I support my clients in doing that inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy is heavily influenced by my theater experience and by the theater tools and exercises and learnings that worked so profoundly and powerfully for me. This is something that I love about my work. I think it's wildly unique. I do not think anyone else is doing things the way that I'm doing things. But it's so important because what I really want you to think about is that you can't learn to have a confident physical voice in theory. It's not like a theoretical exercise, right, where I can explain the theory and you learn the theory. You have to do it. Like you have to practice it. You have to feel it. When you start to feel physically in your body, this is what it feels like inside for me to feel confident and speak with a confident voice. You have that felt sense memory of this is the feeling that I'm trying to get to so I can exude a really powerful presence in meetings. And you do that and you learn that and you develop that muscle by doing it and practicing it. So it's really an action that you take, that you get better and better at. And my goal for today's episode is to help you get better at doing that because it's a pretty abstract thing, but I want to make it less abstract and I want to make it something that you can implement and really start to understand. And so That's what I'm going to be diving into today. And what I'm going to do to help you learn this is I'm going to share a kooky (laughs) analogy. It's just kooky because it feels very not real, but we're going to use it because it's the best way that I can think of to explain this to you. So here's what I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine a really, really long hallway that has tons and tons of doors all along the hallway. And I want you to imagine that each door is the door to a room and that each room along this hallway has a different theme. And as soon as you enter into that room, 
the entire room is like decorated and populated based on that theme. And I also want you to imagine that this hallway runs in a in a particular sequence. So it's a long, 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 long hallway. And the themes of the different rooms change as you go deeper down the hallway. So the rooms at the beginning of the hallway, at the front of the hallway, are the bad rooms. They're rooms that are not very fun. I'll I'll tell you more about that. And the rooms at the end of the hallway, like all the way at the end, are the good rooms. So I'm going to walk you through some examples of these rooms. And what I most want to emphasize at this point is that each room has a theme or a vibe. And as soon as you enter into that room, it's like the theme or the vibe is contagious and you begin to feel that vibe. So let's start at the beginning of the hallway with the bad rooms. So some of the not so fun rooms that you'll find at the beginning of this hallway, one of those rooms is the stress and anxiety room. So there's a little label on the front of the door. (laughs) It says stress and anxiety room. And you open the door and maybe it's really hot in there. There's really like harsh, aggressive, like maybe bright red, obnoxious lighting. There are people running around in the room panicking and they're really stressed out. There's nowhere to sit in the room. It's super uncomfortable. Maybe there are like spikes hanging from the ceiling. And as soon as you open the room and hear these loud noises and see these obnoxious lights and these stressed out people, you immediately feel it. (laughs) You feel stressed. You feel anxious. And you're like, no, thank you. And you slam the door and you're like, glad to be out of that one. So that's one example of a room that you'd find at the beginning of this hallway. Another room that you'd find if you keep walking down this hallway and exploring is the perfectionism room. And when you open the door to the perfectionism room, everything is perfectly organized to the T. There is not a speck of dust anywhere. But as soon as you try to sit down on the perfectly clean couch that's in the perfectionism room, someone in the room yells at you and is like, no, don't sit there. You're going to get it dirty. You can't sit there. And you're like, oh, my God. Uh, what? Like, I can't sit here. OK, OK, OK. So you're like, OK, I'll just like lean against the wall. And they're like, no, you can't lean against the wall. Like, you're going to get the wall dirty. And whatever you try to do, they're so perfectionist about it that they start freaking out and you start freaking out. And you're like, this room is the worst. I am getting that out of the perfectionist room so you slam the door and you start to realize like okay seems like the rooms at the early end of this hallway kind of suck so I'm going to go all the way to the end because maybe those rooms will be better and lo and behold you turn out to be correct and those rooms are a lot better you see a room with a label on it that says Beyonce room and you're like that room sounds good. You open the door to the Beyonce room and Beyonce's in there, like in her, take your favorite Beyonce song, whatever it is. I really like all the single ladies. I mean, who doesn't? But, you know, use whatever song you like best if you're someone who enjoys Beyonce's music. 
and imagine that she's wearing whatever the outfit is from the music video and she's dancing and she's like, come in and dance. And she's like doing the moves and she's so powerful. And you're like, this room is amazing because she's really bringing you into the vibe. She's including you. You're dancing with her. You get your own costume. You're like, I love this room. I never want to leave this room. And you end up spending much more time on this farther end of the hallway because there are all these themed rooms that feel so fun to be in. So there's the Beyonce room. There's a room there called the CEO room where you get into that room and everyone is like super confident and powerful. And as soon as you get into the room, they're like, oh my God, you're here. Finally, we need your help. You're so smart. We need all of your ideas. And they're making you feel like a powerful CEO. And you're visiting all of these rooms and having such an incredible time. And you really start to understand that this hallway is populated with all sorts of rooms. And as you visit the different rooms, you find the ones that you like, you find the ones that you don't like, and you avoid the ones that you don't like and spend more time in the rooms that you like. Now, this hallway of rooms, the reason that I am creating this imagery for you and this idea for you is because it's a really useful tool to help you understand some of the internal factors that impact your executive presence and impact how confident you feel and how confident you sound when you speak. So in this analogy, each room has a vibe. And as soon as you enter into that room, no matter how hard you try, the vibe is contagious, right? So it's like really hard to enter into the anxiety room and not feel anxious. It's hard to enter in the perfectionism room and not feel stressed about how perfectionist it is. It's really hard to enter into the Beyonce room and not feel amazing because the experiences in these rooms are so emotionally impactful and often intoxicating. And so what happens is you enter into the room And the experience of being in the room changes you. You feel different. And I want you to imagine that you are speaking in a meeting in each room. So if you have to take, let's say, your Zoom call for work from the anxiety room, it's going to be much harder for you to sound confident when you're speaking in that meeting or giving your presentation than if you take that work call from the Beyonce room. And let's just assume that like, if you're taking a Zoom call from one of those rooms, they quiet down the noise so that you can actually participate in the meeting, but you're still in the vibe of that room. And so when you take a work meeting from the anxiety room, your executive presence is much weaker than when you take a work call from the Beyonce room. Now, what these rooms represent is your internal emotional state. Just like in this hallway, you can go from room to room. We, to a certain extent as humans, can go from room to room in our minds. This happens because our environment and the experiences around us activate feelings and memories. And those feelings and memories that are constantly being activated by our environment impact how we feel. And so what you can think about and how you can use this analogy to help you is you can think about what rooms you typically fall back into on default mode when you're in meetings. Because what's a really useful tool for change is 
that as humans, we often repeat the same patterns over and over. So if you have many different work meetings that repeat themselves and you're always in meetings, eventually you'll start to notice, oh, whenever I'm in that meeting with those people, it feels like I'm in the anxiety room. But when I'm in that meeting with those people, it feels like I'm in the Beyonce room. And so the room represents the emotional state that that environment draws out of you. Now, what I learned in theater, and this also ties into coaching in a really fascinating way, is that we don't need to stay stuck in whatever room we find ourselves in. We will have these default reactions, and we will often find ourselves in our default rooms in certain situations, but we can actually learn to get better at switching rooms. And this is a really, really important skill. I want you to think, for example, about, let's just use President Obama, because I love him. I want you to think about him having to give an address to the entire nation, the entire country, right? He has to speak in front of the entire country. What's going to happen if on the day he has to speak, something horrible happens in his personal life and, you know, he's feeling really sad or really defeated and then he has to go up on stage and give a speech to the country. And maybe it's like an uplifting speech. What he has to do is he, he can't go and give the speech being really defeated and sad. He has to find other feelings. He has to muster something different. Effectively, what he has to do is switch rooms. So if he's in, let's say there's the sadness room, maybe he got really sad news. <laughs> this is making me sad to think of Obama getting sad news. But let's just say for learning purposes, he got really sad news. If he has to show up for a public appearance or the press or the media, he has to find another room to switch to so that he can exude the presence that he wants to be exuding for that particular situation. So switching rooms is a skill. It's a skill that people who are public speakers have. It's a communication skill. It's a skill that actors have, right? They're able to act out the different characters and emotions by getting good at switching rooms. And it's a skill that's enormously helpful when it comes to executive presence. Because just because you find yourself in the anxiety room or the perfectionism room doesn't mean you need to stay there. As humans, we have the ability to play around with what this hallway of rooms offers us to experiment and get better at switching rooms. Now, this isn't always easy, right? If we're in an anxiety room or a perfectionism room, we might feel so engulfed by it that we can barely find the door. <laughs> and we're like, this room is so intense that I can't even find my way out of it. That will happen. But what you might find is that there are also other situations where you're in that room, but you're not so engulfed by it that you've completely lost touch with yourself and that you're like, you know what? I think I can feel around for the doorknob and try to get out of here. And maybe I can't make it all the way to the other end of the hallway to the Beyonce room, but I think I can go a few doors down and get somewhere better. 
That is something that we can get better at doing through practice. Now, in order to help you get better at switching rooms, there are a couple of things that I want to share with you that are really, really useful tools that you can practice to help you get better at switching rooms. And before I share those tools, one thing that I want to say is that even though switching rooms is, let's say it's something that actors do, right? Because they have to convey an emotion. So they have to get into the right room so that they can exude that emotion. Switching rooms doesn't mean being fake. It doesn't mean, oh, I'm anxious and I'm going to pretend I feel like Beyonce. It literally means finding a different room. It means finding something else, something different inside of you. So it's not about masking the feeling. It's about finding another feeling that's buried. I think about it as the strong voice, the confident voice is buried underneath the anxiety. So it's not like we're covering the anxiety with a fake voice. We're we're moving it out of the way so we can find the realer, better, truer stuff that's underneath it. That's my belief about this. So a couple of tools and tips to help you start to learn to practice switching rooms. One of the biggest things that you have working towards you are all of the rooms in the middle of the hallway. So I told you about the rooms in the front of the hallway. Those are the awful rooms. I told you about the rooms at the end of the hallway, like the Beyonce room and the CEO room. Those are the amazing rooms. But the middle rooms are where it's at. Because when you're engulfed in the anxiety room, it can take so much energy just to find the doorknob and get out of that room that you might not have enough time or focus or energy within you to run all the way to the Beyonce room after having that really intense experience of being engulfed in the anxiety room. But you might be able to move one or two rooms over. That might feel more doable, easier, more possible. And the beautiful thing is then once you get better at moving one or two rooms over, those middle rooms will become your new default rooms over time. And then from those middle rooms, you can move towards the Beyonce rooms and the really good rooms. So I want to give you a couple examples of the rooms that are in the middle of the hallway, because these are really powerful tools and assets to help you grow your executive presence and exude confidence, even if you struggle feeling nervous in meetings. So some of the rooms in the middle of the hallway, so before we get to like the Beyonce room and the CEO room, some of the rooms in the middle of the hallway are the chill room. The chill room is a room where you open the door and there's like calm island ocean breeze music playing. There's a palm tree swaying. Maybe there's some sand on the ground. There's someone playing a calm ukulele. It's very bright and airy. And as soon as you enter into the chill room, you feel more chill. That is a great room to practice entering into. Another room that is really useful as one for you to practice is the scientist room. The scientist room is a room that when you enter it, you start feeling really curious and innovated and intellectually stimulated. So you open this room and there are these scientists and they're studying a paper and they're doing some Petri dish tests and they're like, wow, it's working. I think this is finally working. And they're putting some mathematical equations maybe up on a whiteboard and they're like, hey, look, This is what we're doing and it's working. And you're like, wow, that's so cool. 
So in the scientist room, you start to feel really curious. You start to want to solve problems. You start to get excited about potential solutions. And you start to feel really motivated to be a part of these discoveries. That's a great middle room to aspire to. And a way that you can get there is just to ask yourself, like, what am I curious about? What am I excited to build and create? That is such a useful prompt to help get yourself out of the anxiety room, out of the perfectionism room, and into the scientist room where you don't need to feel like Beyonce. You don't need to be 100% confident. But if you are really jazzed about your work and what possibilities you might discover in your work, then your executive presence is automatically going to be lifted by those feelings. Another room that I personally love And this is a room that I go into so often when I am trying to exude confidence and when I am stretching myself is the resilience room. When you open the resilience room, you see someone who's like trying to break a world record and like working at it really hard and someone else who's trying to lift a really heavy weight and is just determined to do it. And you're surrounded by all of these people that are like, failing but trying and falling but picking themselves back up again. And when you're in that energy, you're like, oh my God, I can do that too. It's okay to fall. It's okay to fumble. We've got this. Let's keep going. And maybe you don't quite feel like Beyonce, but you feel a little something, a little grit, a little resilience. And you're like, yes, let's just keep going. We can totally, totally do this. Another room that is really, really helpful and that I definitely recommend you spend time exploring in the proverbial sense is the self-compassion room. The self-compassion room is a room that you enter into and it's beautiful and there's soft places to sit and there's yummy snacks and there's someone taking care of you and (laughs) there's a hug station where you can go and get a hug and there's a hammock if you need to lie down and relax and (laughs) there's everything you could possibly need. There's some Tylenol in case you have a headache. There's a little first aid kit. It's like, Oh, there's a chicken soup. It's like all the comforts, all the love, all the things that make you feel good. You feel very safe. You feel very taken care of. Like you could just enter into that room and never leave. You could fall into a total wormhole and just be in that self-compassion room forever. And that is also one that I go to very, very frequently is like, how can I support myself, make myself feel a little bit better, make myself feel a little bit safer? So what I want to urge you to do is figure out what middle rooms are easiest for you to access when you are feeling anxious. I want you to almost think about it as like there's a room right next to the anxiety room. That is the easiest room for you to jump into. But for each person, it's going to be really, really different what room that is. For some people, the easiest room for them to jump into is going to be the self-compassion room. For some people, it's going to be the resilience room. For some people, it's going to be the scientist room. For some people, it's going to be the chill room. But there's some sort of room that's your best, easiest option. And when you identify what that room is and what thoughts and prompts and feelings and memories help you access that room, then what you can do next time you're in a meeting is notice, hey, I'm feeling anxious. I'm in the anxiety room. Can I move myself one room over? This is something that you can learn to do. And what I want to emphasize, which is a really weird thing about this analogy, is that you can be in two rooms at once. So you can feel anxious 
and you can go into the scientist room. You can feel anxious and you can try and go into the Beyonce room. As humans, we are complex creatures. We can feel and hold multiple emotions at the same time. And what I see so often with my clients, and this is a huge thing that I love supporting them with, what I see so often is when, they, that when they're in a difficult room, they aren't aware that they can be in two rooms at once. So it's like once the perfectionism comes in, once the anxiety comes in, we're done, it's over, I'm gonna bomb this meeting, I sound bad. They don't realize you can just be in another room at the same time. You can be anxious and curious. You can be anxious and resilient, right? So I think what's so important to recognize is that your default emotional state, your default room doesn't have to own you. Yes, it's going to impact how you feel. Yes, it's going to be harder, of course, to find a strong executive presence when you're starting out all the way down the hallway at the anxiety room, for sure. But that doesn't mean that you're stuck in it. That doesn't mean that you can't move out of it. And what is so powerful is to really learn what helps me get to the next room over. When I find myself in the anxiety room and it's time to split off and teleport and be in two rooms at once and get in another room, What helps me get there? And this is where you start to see that even if you are feeling nervous, even if you are not feeling confident, that doesn't mean that you can't sound confident. This is so important. You can be super nervous inside and have super unpleasant feelings inside, and you can still make a really strong impression for your audience. And it's so important for you to be aware of that so that when the anxiety rises up, you don't throw your hands in the air and go, all right, well, it's over now. I'm not going to have the executive presence. No, 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 no. It's just the beginning. You just started down the hallway. You have the entire meeting to go. You have the entire way to go. And this is something that you can get better at. Now, the best place to practice doing this are in the meetings and rooms and situations that are slightly hard for you. So if a meeting is super, super easy for you, you're good to go. If a meeting is really hard and causes you enormous stress, this can be a very difficult exercise to do. But it's those meetings that are kind of on the edge where you're like, this meeting makes me a little nervous, but it's not like debilitating. That is the perfect place to say, all right, my goal for this meeting is to move into my next best room. So this is what I want you to play with. I want you to first figure out what is the default room for that specific meeting. So pick a meeting that feels hard for you, but not debilitatingly hard. So it's a meeting where you're like, I'm definitely not as confident as I could be, but I feel like I have potential to grow. I feel like I could stretch myself. So pick that kind of meeting and then ask yourself, what is the default room that I typically end up in when I'm in this meeting? And what is my best adjacent room to try to move into? And then you wanna go into the meeting fully expecting I'm going to be in the default room. I'm going to feel the way I feel every time I'm in this meeting because that's what happens every time I'm in this meeting. But it's not going to end there because I know this door isn't the end of the hallway. It's almost like what you can imagine with this hallway is rather than it being a line of doors, you can almost imagine that you enter into the first room and there's a door in the back of that room that leads you to the next room. So all you have to do is think about, okay, 
I'm in this anxiety room or perfectionism room, but it doesn't end here. There's a door that I can access to go somewhere else. And it's so important to realize that when the worry comes up, the self-criticism comes up, the doubt comes up, the fear comes up, it's not over. It's just beginning. And you get to decide how to respond to it, how to react to it. And the beautiful thing is, This is a muscle that gets stronger over time. The more you grow your awareness of your emotional state and what room you're in, the more you practice encouraging yourself and helping yourself hop over into a different room, the easier it'll become and you'll start to realize, wow, there are situations where I used to spiral down and self-sabotage and now I don't. Now I see what's happening and I make that decision. And it happens through practice and it happens through finding those situations where your confidence is being challenged but you feel like you have more to give and really being intentional about how you navigate through when you are speaking. And what's so important is to trust that your voice is going to reflect whatever room you're in. So you don't have to be like, I'm gonna make my voice sound this way. All you have to do is be like, I'm gonna try to get into the scientist room so that I feel curious and excited and passionate, and then I'm gonna speak. Because your voice will follow your emotions. Your voice will go wherever you lead it, wherever you point it. So you don't even need to worry about the sound of your voice. Like, Don't even think about that. Worry about the room and focus on your ability to move through those rooms. And this is an imperfect process. It's not something that is like a step one, step two, step three, but it's an internal capacity that you can build and grow over time. I hope that this helped you and I hope that this was a fun one for you to listen to and I hope it's a fun one for you to practice. If you want to do this with me, if you want to get better at switching rooms, and if you want to be able to practice getting your confidence higher by switching rooms down that hallway, this is a huge piece of what I bring into the Art of Speaking Up Academy. It's one of my favorite things. It's been one of my clients' favorite things inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy, which I have been so delighted to get to observe as the women who have gone through the program, have done the program and given me feedback. But inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy, there's a series of sessions that we do where I take the group through speaking exercises where you get to actually practice switching rooms and practice being intentional about your presence and your internal state when you're speaking, which is enormously helpful because you get to practice doing that in this non-judgmental, small, intimate, safe space, as opposed to having to practice doing it under the pressure of a work meeting, right? There isn't that same work pressure when you're inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy because no one's evaluating you, no one's impacting your performance review, your boss isn't there. The people that are there, the women that are there, are there to support you. And I love this because like I said, you can't learn how to have a confident voice in theory. It is something you do and it is something that you learn through doing and feeling. If that is something that you want to try, if you want to take this work deeper and do it with me, I would love to have you join me inside the next cohort of the Academy. It is going to be launching the first two weeks of May, which is a few months out, but the launch window goes by fast. So if you want to make sure that you are notified as soon as doors open so that you don't forget and you're able to enroll in time, add yourself to the wait list for the Art of Speaking Up Academy by heading over to Jess Guzik Coaching dot com slash academy 
and I will link that in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you love this one and I will catch you next week. Bye.